Will you pray with me? Loving God, we give such gratitude for the joy which we are being led into and the love that is present in this place. So we ask that you would open our hearts and minds again, that we might receive you, that you might teach us, that we might follow you, and that you would bring us into the fullness of your joy and love, and let the people say, They weren't sure why they chose the field that night. It wasn't their usual field. It was a little farther out of town. You know, when it's in the dark of night and you're a shepherd, it's a pretty scary thing. You're bone tired and you don't sleep that well. You sleep more like a dog or a young parent, listening for every little sound the wind in the trees, the slightest footstep. Because you never know in that day when a lion or a jackal or a wolf will show up. The prophet may have written about a day when the lamb and the lion will lie down together, but if you're a shepherd, you know how long that day is in coming. When you're a shepherd, you have to think about things about the sheep that wanders off. You have to think about things about fording streams with a herd. The sheep that always stay closest to you will go in first with you, but then there are always stragglers who approach the water with trepidation, not sure if they should go in. And then there are always the lambs as well. How will you get them across the water without them being carried down with the current? There's a lot to think about when you're a shepherd. And for something that's so basic to the economy of the people of ancient Palestine and Israel, it's amazing how these shepherds were treated. Skinny and scruffy and scrappy in ragtag clothes, they were often seen as shiftless and outsiders and in the very Jewish world of purity laws, unclean. Frederick Beekner, the great spiritual writer, tells about some shepherds in the ancient world that he pondered about. He told a story of when one of them asked for bread, and it was thrown to him, and it landed in the mud. But he was so hungry he didn't care. He ate it mud and all. And he thought it was the best bread he'd ever had. And he thought the mud was good, too. Dirty, according to other people's standards, and out on the margins, far away in the field, in the dark of night, listening, hoping for some sort of change. It's hard work being a shepherd. This is how Beekner recalled it. Being bone tired, dog tired, you call it quits for a while, and you slump down under a tree or against a rock or something and just sit there in a daze for half an hour or maybe a million years. I don't know, but all the time your eyes are wide open looking straight ahead someplace, but they're so tired and glassy they don't see a thing, nothing. You could be dead for all you notice. And then, little by little, you come to. Your eyes begin to come to, and all of a sudden you find out you've been looking at something the whole time 
except it's only now that you really see it. One of the little ewe lambs, perhaps, with its foot caught under a rock, or the moon scorching a hole through the clouds. It was there all the time, and you were looking at it all the time, but you didn't see it until just now. That's how it was on that night, anyway, like finally coming to, not things coming out of nowhere that had never been there before, but things that were coming into focus that had been there always. And such things. The air wasn't just emptiness anymore, it was alive. Brightness everywhere, dipping and wheeling like a flock of birds. And what you always thought was just silence stopped being silent and turned into the beating of wings. Thousands and thousands of them, only not just wings, as you came to more, but voices, high, wild, like trumpets. The words you could never remember later, but something like what you'd yelled with your mouth full of bread. By God, it's good, brothers. The crust, the mud, everything, everything. It's good. Well, most people thought they were out of their right minds as they went running to the manger. You would have too if you would have seen them. You would have thought, oh, those shiftless shepherds out there on the far fields, they're drunk again, coming in like crazy to this innkeeper's stable to see what had happened. Now, with the angels, it's a different story. We heard from our cherubs, and we often hear from seraphim, Angels are literally messengers. And I don't know if you're like me, but you might be a little skeptical about angels because you've never actually met one face to face. They've never come to you wing to shoulder and said, don't be afraid, I have great news to tell you. If it's happened to you, please come and talk to me. I would love to hear about it. <laughs> no, angels are these wonderful creatures that have been talked, out for, uh, talked about for centuries in all of Scripture only we're a little skeptical about them because we haven't seen them. And yet they pervade this story that we tell again and again. I think angels are probably a lot like some theater and choir folks I've known. They like to be ready for the big show. They get excited about it. Five minutes to places, everyone. Where are we going? Well, it's at 37.7031 north and 35.1965 East, Bethlehem, little town down there. You've heard of it before. David was there. What are you talking about? Well, just follow me to this star and we'll go down. <laughs> Angels love to be on display and show and tell some good tidings, sometimes in other languages, sometimes in words we can scarcely understand because it's such an otherworldly thing. And yet they come to us We've been looking into space all the time, and suddenly there they are, these odd messengers. One of my favorite preachers says that being a preacher is a lot like being a reporter in the world, looking for God coming into focus all around us and then reporting on it back to your congregation. So as I thought about angels and shepherds this week and the generosity of witness, I found myself in a colleague's washroom in her home. And on the wall were these prints from Brian Andreas that said, I used to wait for a sign before I did anything. Then one night I had a dream and an angel in black tights came to me and said, you can start any time now. <laughs> and then I said, is this a sign? And the angel started laughing. 
and I woke up. Now, I think the whole world is filled with signs, but if there's no laughter, I know they're not for me. I believe angels love to tell jokes about us all the time. Did you ha hear how many mortals it took to make a plan? <laughs> One to make the plan and two to worry about it. They laugh uproariously at this. It's not funny to us, except they're amazed at how much we are trapped by our fear and our timidity and our worry about things that end up not needing to be concerned about, things that end up not mattering in the long run, whereas they would rather take us by the collar and point out to us little out-of-the-way things that actually will change the world if we'll let them. This was another quote on my friend's bathroom wall. Most people don't know that there are angels whose only job is to make sure you don't get too comfortable and fall asleep and miss your life. One of the things that I think is interesting about being human is we get to be somewhere in between the mud and the muck and tending our own anxious flock of whatever that may be at work, at school, in our home. And then this idea of listening to the angels. Speak in language sometimes we can hardly, hardly understand a poetic or a mythical language. And part of what I hope we all come to church for is that we might tip our ear to that language again. And if we do it right, it usually contains a bit of good news. In fact, they call these stories the good news, the Gospels. And we're to listen to them again and again. Because as you and I know, too often the news we hear is bad news. Too often the word is out of some place like Ferguson, Missouri, and tells us that all that we've tried to work for has somehow been lost in the shuffle. Or it comes out of Staten Island. Or it comes out of Peshawar. And we wonder, what are we doing? Have we made any improvement as human beings? But I believe when we tip our ears to the angels, they will say, actually, the only thing you need to really focus on is love and compassion. And if you worry about that twice as much as you worry about anything else, you will be able to make things happen. Because actually God needs you to tell this good news so that people believe it and live it with their lives. And God needs you to come up with solutions for our world so that every child feels safe. Every sheep in the fold is honored and valued. That's the message that I believe the angels have to give us. And guess what? In our story, the Christian story, there is this child that is born, that is supposed to be God in human form to show us how we can do it. And if we're willing to follow that child as that child grows up, we actually become the people who are reconcilers and compassion givers and lovers of everyone. And that's what I think the good news is all about if we're willing to listen for it and tell it out. With glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill to all humans. There's also something about this 
section that we're in between the mud and the muck and the caring for the flock and tipping our ears to the song of angels, which has to be about the daily life in which we try to live, in which we often miss the things that need to be in focus, and the realm of our imagination. What I want when we come to church, when we come to the stable again and again, is that our imaginations might be stirred to be a part of the solution. There's no less a scientist than Albert Einstein who said imagination is more important than knowledge. For knowledge is limited to all we know now and all we understand now. But imagination embraces the entire world and all there will ever be to know and understand. Sometimes I think we don't know what the good news is because it's been told to us something very specific in the Christian story. But I believe it's quite simple that God honors you like a shepherd honors the sheep and will fight off the jackals and the hyenas and the lions and give you other people to help you. And there are places where we can discover this for ourselves. And if we let him, the baby is born every time we come together. And this is worth figuring out how to tell that story so people actually get it and we actually live it. In a few days, a young homeless couple is going to knock on our door. We might call them Mary and Joseph. We might call them Maria and Jose or Marie and Joseph or Yusef and Miriam. They might not even have those names, but they're going to show up and knock on their door like they always do. And she's an unwed pregnant teenager. And by the world standard, he's gullible. And they need a place to stay. And the question is, do we have enough room in our imaginations to let them stay for the night or even for a lifetime? Glory to God in the highest.